the blade of Towson. Take it, sister. Last points is Jason. And this is Gabe. And we missed an episode last week, and that's because we had a, a, a bad case of night fever. We had we heard messages in our dreams. Whispers. Those whispers are back. <laughs> you get the whispers in your dreams. You got night fever. You got night sister fever. And I don't mind saying it. I've had night sister fever for a few weeks now. I think I, I'm finally been cured of my typo fever because I've been infected with night fever, <laughs> night sister fever. It came on really quick for me, where as soon as I saw the episode with the three night sisters standing there and it was like, oh, my God, live action night sisters. Immediately, I came down with night sister fever. And it makes so much sense to have them back because night sisters were such a cool addition to the Star Wars universe. Star Wars is space fantasy. There's magic. Why not have witches? Everybody loves witches. You talk to anybody on the street. Do you love witches? They'll say yes. It's October. It's like spooky season. It's time for witches. It's the season of the witch. It's the season of night fever. It's a season of night sister fever. Out of nowhere, been scrounging through every book I own, even things that would have nothing to do 
with Night Sisters. Like, is there anything about Night Sisters in the pop-up Empire Strikes Back book? No, I've got to keep looking. There's got to be more Night Sister information. But that's the thing. Night Sisters can be invisible. They have a potion. So they could they could be in all the other books. They're just invisible, hiding between the pages, waiting to whisper into your ear when you're sleeping. We're not in this Rini's little book, but maybe we are. <laughs> it's all very exciting. We've got a lot of Night Sisters stuff to talk about. It's an amazing behind-the-scenes story with Night Sisters. Lots and lots to talk about. But I think there's something else we got to talk about. It might be the real reason we didn't have an episode last week. We were a little hungover from uh, something you might remember. Snoketoberfest. How many people last week listened to the whole way through? It was a good episode, other than the than the, the 30 minutes of silence. I felt really bad about that after the fact, because it seemed like it was funny at the time, but there were enough people who were like, you know, there's 30 minutes of empty space. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes a joke works, and sometimes it's just it doesn't work. But yeah, <laughs> it was all a trick to get people to think it was a normal episode. It was an elaborate, elaborate ruse. We had the best of intentions. We didn't mean to make anyone doubt their electronical equipment, their audio equipment. There's something wrong with my machines. There's all this empty space. That's the way Snoke would like it, though. It's true. Yeah. Hopefully nobody like threw their speakers in the trash. Or, or got a new phone. This is garbage. It's not playing Blast Points anymore. I don't want it. Well, this week on Snoketoberfest, we are continuing our theory that Kino Loy, part of Kino Loy could be Snoke, Kino Loy could be Snoke, the two could be related. Or Snoke, real Snoke just talks through a voice changer because, you know, maybe hidden in the hole in his cheek is whatever machine makes the operator of the prison's voice sound like Snoke. Maybe that's the mystery. Who knows? Maybe it's all the voice. But here, okay. Here's the next line of Kinoloi, a.k.a. Proto-Snoke Kinoloi from the TV show Andor, his big speech. Again, don't think about Kinoloi's face. Don't think about Andy Serkis' face. Just think Snoke when you listen to this. Close your eyes and dream of Snoke. I'm speaking to you from the command center on level eight. That's Snoketoberfest. If anything was Snoketoberfest, it's that right there. This year's Snoketoberfest is taking it up to level eight. (laughs) We're taking it up a level every year. We're at level eight. If General Hux was walking around the ship and he heard that, he'd be like, ooh, I'm in trouble now. His nose would just start to bleed out of out of fear. Muscle memory, his his nose just bleeds every time he hears Snoke because he's waiting for the hologram face to smash him around. Here's two two Snoke things. One, we all know the big thing, Kino Loy couldn't swim. You know Snoke could not sn- swim. He would sink to the bottom of an ocean. He's full of holes. He's all skin and bones. He's big, he's heavy. He's got, yeah, he's literally got holes in him. If anything, his head is kind of the biggest part. His head could float like a buoy in the water, just like floating around. 
So maybe as long as he like looked straight up at the sky so the water didn't get in a hole in his cheek, that maybe he would be able to float. But I like to think he has like big gold, like pool water wing floaty things, right? Or maybe he's wearing a life jacket under his robe just in case. But if, if, if it's like your Serpentor theory last week, if they took like little bits of people throughout the years to create the, the super leader, Supreme Leader Snoke, and there is a little bit of Kino Loy in there. Perhaps Snoke got the voice and he got Kino Loy's inability to swim. Or those are the only two things they combined. They took Kino Loy and the DNA from someone who could swim. <laughs> They're like, we really just need two. We just need two. We just got to fix the not swimming part. The second thing after this week's episode of Ahsoka, I started thinking if Thrawn and Snoke ever cross paths and how great that would be. It, it could happen. It could happen in a book. It could happen in a movie. It could even happen in a TV show at this point. At this point, anything could happen. At this point, based on what we've seen in our lifetime now, I think it's more likely that we will see Thrawn and Snoke talk to each other than not. It's terrifying, but it's true. And I would be here for that conversation. I, I think I think everyone would be like, this is the conversation we've all been waiting for. And because Thrawn is all about doing the homework, would Thrawn be like looking at like a data pad and be like, I know all about you, Kino Loy. <laughs> or he just, you know, tries to get Snoke into water. I knew it. You can't swim. <laughs> My hypothesis is correct. Now I just can't stop thinking about if we'll ever see a, like, nine-foot-tall, young, handsome Snoke. Or if he really did just come out of the tank looking looking nasty. Because a nine-foot-tall, handsome man in, like, a gold jacket or something just talking to Thrawn, that might be the last thing I ever see before I, I just turn into dust. It's like that Kylo Ren comic book where Snoke had a hat. Remember that? You know, it'll be like... It's like in, in Andor when just fancy people show up at Mon Mothma's hotel or her apartment, not her hotel, her apartment. Maybe at some point, you know, someone will knock on the door and it's it's Thrawn in, in his apartment because Thrawn has an apartment somewhere and yeah, just handsome Snoke shows up. It's like the beginning of the, the Hobbit or whatever when giant Gandalf shows up at the Hobbit dinner party. Just big Snoke hanging out at Thrawn's dinner party. Snoketoberfest. It's only the death breath of the Dark Lord. Don't be scared. It's only an Imperial cruiser making the jump to light speed. Relax. It's only a movie, and it's all for fun. Director George Lucas and 20th Century Fox present... Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. So, all right, before we start goofing around... We got to take a little time out to talk about costume designer Shauna Triptych. It's just horrible news. Uh, she is her creations, her costumes for this new era of Star Wars have become part of all of Star Wars. I mean, I, I 
thought I was talking about, I think of the Mandalorian experience last year at Celebration Anaheim. And that was like her work on display. Yeah. It's amazing to think about that just over these last few years. And, you know, they're the years that she was working with Lucasfilm on these shows of like how much new Star Wars stuff we got and how many how much of that stuff is now like iconic, timeless Star Wars stuff that people are going to remember and watch, you know, forever. And yeah, the Mandalorian experience was like, it might've been my absolute favorite, like in the real world, Star Wars experience of like, you know, we've seen props and museum shows and the costumes uh, in Detroit, what we went to, all that stuff was so amazing, but like all the stuff that was created for these Disney plus shows is just like, it's all just like put the biggest smile on my face and seeing it all in one room. And yeah, the fact that her, her and her team were able to do all of this stuff is amazing. And yeah, it's just a huge loss to, to so many people that, that yeah, that she's not with us anymore. Designing star Wars costumes is not easy. It's a galaxy far, far away. There's already a language to star Wars costumes you know, you think of John Molo and you think of Trisha Bigger and you think of all the people that have come before her and just the fact that she was able to do it and just something that just felt naturally Star Wars and taking on characters like Ahsoka Tano or Boba Fett and making them seem new, but also very familiar and introducing, you know, characters from animated shows like Bo-Katan or, you know, Hera, her presence is going to be very much missed in whatever going forward. And yeah, I'd definitely feel for her family members and the team that she worked so closely with on all these shows and just made these shows even better by, you know, this kind of invisible art of the costuming. I mean, the fandom's been there forever. Um, I love watching the cosplayers. I love every level of talent, every level of entry level, in, you know, all the way up to the, um, you know, pros. I enjoy the, the way the people express. It's almost like being a child and dressing up like a princess. It's, it's so wonderful to see them celebrate these costumes. And I, I wonder, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're wearing my costume. You know, it's like, it's amazing. <laughs> All right, so Night Sisters, witches in Star Wars and in a universe already filled with magic and space wizards, it makes sense. The roots of Night Sisters go way, 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 way back. We talked about a little bit of this way back in episode 236 when it was part of Ewok Movie Month, the epic legendary Ewok Movie Month here where we did the legacy of the Ewok movies, and we talked a little bit about Sheral and her possible Sister heritage. But where did Sisters first come up? It's in the 1994 novel, The Courtship of Princess Leia, by the late Dave Wolverton. They're depicted as a splinter faction of the native witches, witches of Dathomir, Descendants of the fallen Jedi Alia 
and separated into many, many, many different legends' works. And Wolverton himself noted in an interview around that time that he sought to create a set of powerful female figures. This is all from Wikipedia. In the Star Wars universe that had been dominated by men at that time and expressed delight that the concept was picked up by George Lucas for his backstory for Darth Maul. I don't know. Have you ever read The the Courtship of Princess Leia? I, Truth be told, I never have. I, ha- I haven't either. But maybe that's enough reason to now to just get a little bit of Night Sister action. I really feel like I should because I feel like it's a title that just keeps popping up all the time. Like people, oh, there's so many old weird EU books, but you, for some reason I keep hearing about the courtship of princess Leia over and over again in both good and not so good ways. So it's like, if we can make it through shadows of the empire, we should probably read courtship of princess Leia. (laughs) Maybe it'll happen someday. Maybe (laughs) 2027 blast points. We finally got around to it. Unfortunately, only one of our eyes work. So we have to share the eyeball between the two of us so we can read the book. It's going to take us a while. So that's all well and good. But the very first witch in Star Wars goes all the way back to, yes, 1985 and Ewoks, the Battle for Endor and Sheral, who is all witch all the time. She's in a spooky castle. She's got a magic ring. She turns into a bird. Sheral's pretty outrageous. <laughs> There's no escape for you, my little one. Now only you can tell us the secret of the power. Daddy, they killed Mommy and Mace. She set the bar pretty high in, in 85 for what a, a Star Wars witch could be. And Joe Johnston did concept art for Sheral. Never forget that. That's a big deal. But she was just straight out witch in Star Wars, hanging out on Endor. Kind of made no sense how she just suddenly showed up. I don't like something we're going to be talking about, though. She was kind of aligning herself in the battle for Endor with these weird warlords on the planet Endor. She was kind of like a rogue, maybe, Night Sister, Dathomiri witch, who was kind of part of like this army to overtake this planet. Hmm. Sounds a little familiar. It's a little, it's a little, it's a little familiar. Well, and also in 85, there was the Ewoks cartoon, and in the Ewoks cartoon, there was a witch named Morag. Maybe she's a night sister. Maybe she's like a night sister's cousin. No, little ones. I need you to lure old Logre to me. Master Logre? Oh, no. Soon he will come looking for his foolish apprentice. And I'll be waiting. You know, I went and watched that episode that Morag is in. I actually did this week. <laughs> did you fall asleep? <laughs> no, I was I was weirdly kind of into it. That's the thing with the Ewoks cartoon. Small doses. Go back and listen to our Ewok cartoon challenge episodes. We did two. When we first start the challenges... Both of us are like, this is great. Why aren't I watching more of the Ewoks cartoon? But when you get to like four or five episodes in a row is when the fatigue starts to kick in. That's true. Well, and you've built up immunity from the challenge. And we've, you know, so you can probably get through more before you start to feel it 
So that's good. I can't remember. She doesn't look like a night sister, though, right? She just kind of looks like a normal witch, right? Or no, she's kind of, she's big, right? She's not like Ewok size. She's bigger than them. She's more like a weird, like, Duloc thing. She's like some kind of other species. She's not like humanoid. She's like some kind of like weird creature thing. But she's kind of weird looking. And I'm like, well, maybe she's a night sister. I can get into that. Well, and there's a quote from the Ewoks cartoon from uh, from Paul Dini. And he says, to our way of thinking, it just seemed natural that if you had Morag as an evil witch, Logray might be her good opposite. And it seemed interesting that they would have both fought over a magic stone that had good and bad properties in it and got split. And because it looked like the yin and the yang symbol, it drove the point home. Just can't go wrong with witches and wizards fighting over magic stones. It's pure Star Wars. 100% Star Wars. <laughs> she, and she, she really kind of is the, the, the evil low gray. That makes total sense. But it's another example of a witch in Star Wars all the way back in 1985. And we talk about her all the time. The Leaf Queen. The Leaf Queen is weird as heck. No one's talking about the Leaf Queen being a witch. But if, the, if anybody's like a Dathomiri witch, it's the Leaf Queen. Hello, Nisa. I've returned for my plant. Oh, Leaf Queen, your plant is, uh... Uh, Sleeping. Your plant is sleeping. Huh? Sleeping? It's true. Nisa's been giving it naps every day. Now, you wouldn't want to wake it up, would you? Well, no, but do you know what happened to the last creature who harmed one of my plants? No. No. This. Just wait till we get live action Leaf Queen and people can never sleep ever again. (laughs) Star Wars has gone too far. Just stop. Just stop it all. I sold all my beds. I don't even have blankets in the house anymore because I'm never going to sleep again. I just start wandering. I just leave my house and just go walk down the road. Maybe I have clothes on. Maybe I don't. They'd be like, where did he go? He never came back. The Leaf Queen showed up in live action and he just had to go, go on a walkabout. In my bedrooms now, there's just a bunch of really uncomfortable chairs that I sit in at night. That's it. It's like a David Cronenberg movie. <laughs> Purposely uncomfortable, gyrating and stuff. Yeah. So after the courtship of Princess Leia came out, Night Sisters and magic users from Dathomir are popping up all over the place. There was the Young Jedi books and the character Tenal Ka. And then in the illustrated Star Wars Universe book by Kevin Anderson and Ralph McQuarrie, the excellent illustrated Star Wars Universe book, they, there's the chapter on Endor, and they talk about Sheral as a night sister from Dathomir. Because now Courtship of Princess Leia has come out, and they're like, oh, yeah, they're, all the witches, they're all night sisters from Dathomir. Morag is too. Probably the Leaf Queen is too. They're all night sisters. So then what we get to the prequels and there starts to be some concept art done for the prequels, right? And here's where things get really interesting, right? Yeah, because in the art books for both episode one and two, right, we get images of uh, designs for female Sith because it seems like that was something they kept, at least the concept artists kept trying to get into the movies. And there's one with kind of flowing red robes. And another one with a bald head, all dressed in black, that was 
designed by Dermot Power. The flowing red robes was an Ian McKegg thing. Where wasn't it the direction from George Lucas, like, show me your worst nightmares when they were trying to figure out what Palpatine's Sith apprentice would look like? And yet there's that famous Ian McKegg drawing of this female Sith and yeah, red robes and face paint and stuff. Yeah, but then the the bald head dressed in black character got picked up by Gendy Tatarski for his Clone Wars and became Asaz Ventress, who is Dooku's apprentice. Or I guess in quotes, right? Because it's like he's not supposed to have an apprentice, but he has his, uh, his kind of apprentice. And yeah, she just looked really cool. Anyone that had, that had the art books was excited because it's like, oh, they're finally using that design. So the Jendi Clone Wars show comes out and then the Clone Wars movie comes out in 2008. And I know for me, that was kind of like a shock of like, whoa, the, the Asajj Ventress, she's from the Jendi show. And this, I had thought this wasn't related to the Jendi Clone Wars show at all. That, that was something that like threw me all off because I'm like, I, you know, and I it shouldn't have. It's so foolish looking back because it's Star Wars, you know, they just... <laughs> pick whatever they want and like okay here it is take it but yeah i was like well why does why does anakin have an apprentice and blah 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 i was dumb i was wrong i admit it now (laughs) like you said it's a cool thing though that this concept art that all of us who read the art of attack of the clones like oh yeah i know that and then kind of like that same thing night sisters aren't like a thing in whatever people want to call canon Star Wars until the Clone Wars season three, episode 12, Night Sisters, 2011. And we're introduced to a whole new world of Night Sister stuff, Mother Talzin. And Mother Talzin is based off that Ian McKegg episode one art. It's just, yeah, kind of crazy thinking back. Like, it's like when you think about, you know, things that are, so obviously Star Wars, but they didn't exist until Empire or Return of the Jedi. And then you think of like about Night Sisters, and it's like, oh yeah, they're from Clone Wars. And it's like, well, they weren't even in Clone Wars until yeah, the third season. Like there was so much Clone Wars before Night Sisters even became a thing. And it's like whenever I think about Clone Wars, it's like Night Sisters are one of the big things I think of. And what's cool too with the the whole Night Sister arc in season three of Clone Wars, written by Katie Lucas where George was just kind of like, oh, just go ahead, just write it, do what you do. And there's is a great behind-the-scenes documentary about the making of these episodes. And there's just there's a lot that Katie Lucas put into these episodes. And it's kind of cool that Night Sister lore, as we know it now, is a lot of Katie Lucas. When it got time to the writers' meeting, George wanted to do this arc that involved Ventress and the Night Sisters, which we were all pretty excited about. Season three was very much about learning and observing and seeing what it's like to work with people who have ideas and fight for them. We all just pitch ideas and storylines, and it's fun. Season three is a lot darker than the rest has been. It's going to be heavy stuff. We knew we wanted to tell a bit of the story about Ventress in flashback. It was a great experience to explore Ventress's backstory a little bit more because we never really got a sense of where she came from. I wanted them to be tough because I consider myself pretty tough, even though I'm a total nerd and probably not tough at all. Yeah, and that whole what's crazy going back to is season three 
of Clone Wars, there's three episodes that introduce Night Sisters, and then immediately after that are the episodes that introduce Mortis and all that nonsense. That is really insane. <laughs> right? Like all this stuff happened over the course of like two months that year in 2011. And now 12 years later, 13 years later, 12 years later, it's all kind of coming back. You know, I've said over and over again, everyone knows that I was super late to Clone Wars. You were watching it as it happened, telling me at least once a week. You were expressing your disappointment in me that I was that I wasn't watching Clone Wars, but when I did marathon the the entire series over the course of like a couple months, which was great, every night I would send you a text at like twelve thirty a.m. I, I I'm so sorry, you were so right all this time, but I remember getting to the Night Sister episodes and being like, whoa, this is crazy. And especially the Mortis episodes of like, whoa, this is crazy. Well, like when you watched them as they went on, when they got to Night Sisters, like the whole concept of witches in Star Wars that use the Force, but not using the Force, but it is the Force, but the Sith, they're not, they're not Sith. Were you kind of like, whoa, this is really kind of different? I think it was just like, this is cool. Why not? And it was cool to see that design back. Yeah, I think it was just kind of like, it makes perfect sense. Like it doesn't seem at all out of the ordinary for there to be these other people like using the force in different ways and, and doing magic. Cause you know, star Wars is a fantasy. It's, it's science fantasy. What's interesting though, is that George Lucas decided to put them in the Clone Wars TV series after he saw Lucasfilm Animation Singapore's use of the Night Sisters in the video game Clone Wars Jedi Alliance from 2008. So the people making Jedi Alliance used the Ian McKegg concept art for Night Sister characters in that game. Lucas saw that and was like, oh, we should do that in the show. Crazy things getting crazier. Because And it wasn't even like a huge Star Wars game. It was only on the DS. It was just like a handheld game, right? Like it wasn't like, you know, Jedi Fallen Order where it's like this big event. And here we get these characters based on some unused concept art that get picked up by a show and now are like potentially the future of Star Wars. <laughs> and for, around this time, yeah, Filoni did sketches of Sheral from the Battle of Endor that possibly could have appeared in these episodes. Like Sheral could have just been hanging out on Dathomir with Mother Talzin or something. Never happened. But yeah, like like you were saying, the thing that blows my mind is in in it's it's so Star Wars. You have prequel concept art that inspired Dooku's apprentice in the 2003 animated series. And then you have characters in a 2008 DS video game that the name of the characters is from a 1994 novel. And then that all gets combined into Night Sisters in the Clone Wars show. And then in 2023 is in live action and is maybe now one of the most important things going on in the future of Star Wars storytelling. The magic of Star Wars. Throw a bunch of stuff in a big pot, 
stir it up just like a witch make it a make it a spell making your your star wars brew a little bit of this a little bit of that a little bit of a an old eu book the 2003 clone wars cartoon some prequel concept art yeah then you put it in a big goblet and when dooku comes to visit you make him drink it (laughs) he needs to get his strength up and before we get to night sister history on screen there was Marin too, from both of the Star Wars Jedi games that came out. When I played the first one, I was like, man, I kind of wish this whole game was about Marin. Nothing against Cal Kestis or anything, but I was like, man, Marin is really cool. She's like super fascinating. And I think maybe that's where Night Sister Fever started for me, because I was kind of like, man, Night Sisters. You got like a little tickle in your throat. Like, I feel like something's coming on. Maybe I'm getting a case of... Night Sister Fever, starting to get the sweats at night. I hear the whispers. I wake up in the sweat. They're whispering to me, we know how to do it. We know how to show it. Okay, let's talk about Night Sisters on screen. Let's talk about more Night Sister stuff. You've got the the episodes, right? Night Sisters, Monster. Witches in the of the mist. Yeah, we got those first three, and it's cool that it's is all kind of tied in with Maul's brother, and then ultimately Maul himself. That it's not enough that the Night Sisters are cool on their own; they have their the men on the planet live elsewhere, and they're just like hanging out, waiting for the Night Sisters to ask them to do stuff. Or fight people. Because, like, the whole deal, like, that Palpatine is just like, Dooku, you've got this apprentice, Asajj Ventress. What are you doing with this? You shouldn't be doing this. You're my apprentice. You don't get to have an apprentice. The You know, the whole never-ending theme of masters and apprentices. Palpatine's just like, listen, Dooku, you got to kill Ventress. And Ventress gets, like, totally screwed over by Dooku. And she ends up on Dathomir. And they're like, hey, she's one of us. And the... The witches do their magic and everything, kind of bring Ventress back to strength. And then, yeah, then it gets all crazy where they're like, oh, we'll give Dooku a new apprentice, Savage Opress, one of the greatest names in the history of Star Wars, who, lo and behold, is Darth Maul's brother. And again, that was the thing, like being on the outside of Clone Wars when it was like on TV and but keeping one eye on what was going on with Clone Wars without watching it, I was like, "What exactly is going on?" Because it all sounds absurd and ridiculous, and it it is, but it all kind of works. Uh, and the yeah, the Night Sisters are kind of the glue holding all that together. Because it's like Darth Maul's brother isn't tough enough just being Darth Maul's brother; they have to pump him up with Night Sister magic to make him into a big giant monster man who kills a bunch of Watto aliens just to let people know he means business. And the whole thing with the, the night sisters too, like it's cool. Their, uh, their whole plan is kind of like, it makes you feel double bad for Dooku. Cause they basically pull Palpatine's plan. It's like Dooku gets like double Palpatined. You know, the clone wars is, is a pretend war between Dooku and Palpatine who are pretending to be fighting each other, but really they're together. And then, you know, the, the night sisters 
have give Dooku an apprentice who is really a secret apprentice of theirs. So Dooku just can't win, basically. Also, we can't forget that the the first episode of Night Sisters, we kind of get to see, and maybe this, I think this is a little bit maybe from the game, but not only are they force magic wielding witches, they're also like ninjas and they wear like ninja masks and climb around in trees and shoot laser arrows and fight with ninja swords, which is already awesome. And then they get magic that makes them invisible and they go attack Dooku as invisible ninjas that have lightsabers to try to trick Dooku into thinking the Jedi are after them. Well, and it's interesting too, to think about that, they're pretending to have this like allegiance with Count Dooku when actually they're working like their own system. They're doing their own thing, their own mysterious secondary thing that they have going on that they're not letting anyone else going on. But they're like, oh, we'll play your game, Count Dooku. We'll be your buddy. Yeah, because Mother Talzin even says we we only we only have loyalty to each other. So let's keep that in mind as we go forward in on screen Night Sister stuff. Because and I forgot too that Mother Talzin duels with Mace Windu, and I forgot that that was like the J.W. Rensor Jar Jar episode. Master Windu, I assume you are the Great Mother. No, I am a sinful witch, not worth the trouble or attention of the great Jedi Order. A night sister. Because remember, he had to make Jar Jar cool again. And how do you make him cool again? You have a night sister show up in the episode. That's how you do it. Because Rinsler had a little bit of night sister fever, probably. He was kind of a wizard himself in, in, in many, many ways. But then there was the whole thing, too, where Grievous, like, eventually came and, like, slaughtered all the Ninja Night Sisters. Yeah, not until the next season in season four, there's an episode, Massacre, where Dooku's just fed up with the Night Sisters and he sends Grievous uh, and all his droid buddies to basically wipe them, wipe them out, all of them. And he literally does say, wipe them out, all of them, I think. Because <laughs> there's a bunch of... Uh, Phantom Menace stuff because I think uh, Grievous is like begin landing your troops too, so it's like they're all the, all the all the hotlines are in there, and Mother Talzin makes like a Dooku voodoo doll and like burns them and stuff. It's crazy, but this is when all uh, as the Ninja Night Sisters start dying and they need more troops. Mother Talzin goes into there's like a cave where there's another witch lady who lives. Would you would would you say it was a catacomb? It well, see, maybe, but there's old Daka, who is just like the old night sister who like is sealed off into a cave, I think. But old Daka starts bringing night sisters back to life with dark magic, and they're all their like corpses are in like little bags hanging from the trees throughout the planet. So it's like, hmm. When Night Sisters die, they just keep them around in case they need them. And with their dark magics, they bring them back to life. Surprised. Hardly. You're the one I was sent here for. Then fight me alone. Prove you're the greater warrior. 
If I win, your army leaves. If you win, the Night Sisters will surrender to you. I've always been greater than you. <laughs> the next time we see Night Sister stuff, Star Wars Rebels, Visions and Voices was the episode where Maul takes Ezra Bridger to the Night Sister altar on Dathomir. And there he hopes that their combined powers will unlock the answer that he and Ezra are seeking. And then Night Sister spirits are awakened and they want payment for the use of their magics and what night sister spirits possess the bodies of ezra canaan and sabine yeah so hmm night sisters only trust each other they can bring their dead back to life be ghosts that possess other people's bodies they have no love for jedi or sith or the Empire, or a Separatist, for nobody. They look out for themselves, but they've already kind of, like we said, faked this like alliance with Dooku. But when they did that, the Night Sister whole thing on Dathomir eventually got wiped out by General Grievous. So now the next time we see Night Sisters, they're on Peridia, way off in another galaxy where supposedly Thrawn woke up these three night sisters, whatever the heck that means. They're on a planet that has statues of the Mortis gods. We're not going to know what the full deal is with Peridia for a long time, but it's the whole thing of like, okay, if all that stuff happened, why would the night sisters now have this allegiance or this kind of, working relationship with Thrawn, what's all the things in that they're taking out of the catacombs, putting on Thrawn's ship? And as soon as they get back to the galaxy far, far away that we've seen before, first stop is Dathomir, where they're they're having the, the Attack of the Clones moment, looking out over all the, let's assume what we assume are caskets of dead Night Sisters. Yeah, it seems like Night Sisters are back in a big way that if you were hoping, you know, maybe if you waited it out, the fever would go away and that you'd feel better after a few days. But that's not going to be the case. The fever is just going to get worse. Something I was thinking about, like how the Night Sisters are looking out for just themselves. And as much as Thrawn says over and over again for the Empire, does he really care about the Empire? Like, really? Or is this more about what he... Is this his new version of the Empire? Because then I started thinking about, like, the end of Ahsoka overall. You've got Ahsoka Tano, who Thrawn calls, like, a Ronin, and you should stay on Peridia because this is where a Ronin like you belongs. But in a way, Thrawn is a Ronin. He's a warrior without a master. The Night Sisters are Ronins. They're warriors without masters. You've got like these three competing groups that are just kind of like looking out for themselves. Ahsoka, not really because she's looking out for her apprentice, Sabine Wren, but that's why she's a Jedi and she's like the, the hero of our story. You almost have with Thrawn and the Night Sisters 
it's almost like the the Sith and the Sith apprentice relationship where you have these two people who ultimately one of them wants to kill the other one and take all the power, but they're working together because it it suits them at the time that they kind of need each other, but it doesn't seem like there's any mutual love or necessarily respect and that yeah at some point one of them is going to turn on the other because there was that great part in the the season finale where thrawn is just like everything went wrong i need more time we can't leave for the empire and then morgan you know whispers for for dathomir kind of hinting that morgan was in good with the three night sisters and that's probably what the night sisters want too they're not too concerned about bringing the empire back like there's something else going on here as cool as it was seeing like live action night sisters like oh they look perfect they sound perfect this is great like we we're saying they're on planet where there's statues of mortis gods and like balin was like or something calls to me out here and all that stuff there's something going on really 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 weird and interesting with that planet the fact that night sisters were there there were like statues of ancient night sisters on that planet like night sisters also used to ride space whales yeah well they the the night sisters on dathomir came from peridia originally like that's the potentially like their original planet was was there so like these aren't even just like these are like original night sisters when i can't help thinking too that this is part of a much 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 bigger story because you wouldn't bring in all this crazy stuff without it having to do with many many things going forward because that was the thing it's like i never thought in mandalorian season two that morgan was a night sister. And then when it was kind of like, Oh, she's a night sister. I'm like, really weird. Okay, cool. And then, yeah, when they get to pretty and it's like the three great mothers there, I'm like, Oh, cool. But like, wait, what? <laughs> but yeah. then like the more you think about it, it's like, Oh, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's like, we've got so many stories with the Sith and it's like, Hey, there's this other thing. And it's kind of like, even with, with Mandalorian coming where it's like, you know, we had all these stories about the rebels and we've had stories about Jedis, but it's like, hey, there's these Mandalorians who are, you know, they're just as cool as Jedis. They're just as cool as anything else. Let's kind of tell some stories about them. And now kind of bringing in the Night Sisters is kind of the same sort of thing as you have this whole other mystical side of Star Wars. It's not the Jedi. It's not the Sith. It's just as interesting. It's just as cool. And it's in some ways maybe even cooler because it's like they're not really good and they're not really bad and they're kind of this thing that you know they they're just all about themselves in a way and and can they can they come back and if they do come back are you know how long are they going to be around are they going to be around post the sequel trilogy like are night sisters still going to be a thing when we get start telling stories that far in the future maybe so that's the thing i keep thinking about though like the three movies that were announced at Celebration Europe this year. The Filoni Mandalorian super movie, you have to assume, is going to have something to do with the story that got started with Thrawn and the Night Sisters. You've got the Dawn of the Jedi movie, the James Mangold thing, which Peridia is 
all of this connected Mortis. I never would have thought that Mortis would connect to whatever Mangold was doing, but maybe it will. And if you're going to bring in Mortis gods now, do you have to bring in Night Sisters now too? Maybe. And Night Sisters somehow connected to whatever with the birth of the Jedi, the birth of the Sith. And yeah, and then the post sequel trilogy, the Return of Rey movie. That's the thing where it's like, great, yeah, we all want Daisy Ridley back as Rey. And what happened after Rise of Skywalker? We all want to see that story. But that's the thing. It's like, well, what bad person would be foolish enough to challenge Rey? And it's like, well, what if it's an ancient evil? What if it's something that is being told with this whole greater Night Sister story? Well, and with the Night Sisters too, it's like who's someone that obviously doesn't like the Jedi, and that's someone that has has the powers and abilities to to fight with Jedi, but isn't the Sith, which we've had so many stories with. So it's like hmm, that could be pretty cool too. Yeah, could it be Ray versus some kind of great witch? I'm all for that. Ray versus Ninja Witches sounds great to me. <laughs> Just even saying those words, like, yes, can I buy my ticket now? Just let Katie Lucas write it. Well, Night Sisters can seemingly live forever, too. They can just keep bringing back dead bodies. And they're probably just like, whatever, Thrawn, like you mortal creature. We're going to live forever. You're going to die. In a way, that's like the the ultimate that's like you know palpatine came back and he was all goofed up he was all crazy and his fingers were all falling apart and stuff like night sisters are just like we don't need we don't need to go to exegol we got our own we got exegol at home <laughs> they they got exegol on dvd they just can pop it in whenever they want i don't know i, I do know this I, I don't know what's going on with night sisters we may not know for years but i do know this night sister fever isn't going away anytime soon. And whoever would have guessed that Night Sisters would become one of the most fascinating things in Star Wars. If someone said, hey, I know you like Star Wars, would you like Star Wars with with Ninja Witches? I don't know if that's a stretch to thinking that, yeah, I think that'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> but you, you know, when I said that, though, you know who did know? George Lucas. Because George Lucas is just like, that video game, that looks cool, what is that? Night Sisters, put them in the show! Make it big, Dave. You run with it, baby. Maybe Katie was playing that game. And she was like, Dad, you know how I love witches? Yes. You know how I love ninjas? Yes. <laughs> Can we put them together? Look at these characters. Remember how you made the Battle for Endor for Amanda when she was a little baby and it had witches in it? Now all the Lucas girls are all grown up and we want witches in Star Wars again. Yeah, maybe every Halloween at the Lucas house it was like, Witches and ninjas, and they just took turns every year. I'm the ninja this year. I'm the witch this year. And then finally they're like, screw it. We're just going to be ninja witches. It makes me just want to see George Lucas with a witch hat, like a pointy witch hat. It's plaid, though.
with Presto Magic's Return of the Jedi Super Transfer Set. You get a big action board and over 150 Star Wars transfers to make the action come alive. Watch this! Here comes Darth Vader! Oh no! Hold on, Han! I'll save you! These last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. So, all right, everybody. Guess what? Apple Podcast Reviews. When you get done listening to this, we'd love it if you went over there and write something nice about Blast Points so more people can find the show when they're looking for a Star Wars podcast. And if you listen on Spotify, all you got to do is just leave a five-star review over there, too. And check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com, and make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're part of the Blast Point Super Chill Group. And we got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where we've been doing sneak preview episodes. So you get to hear a lot of episodes, like a day or two before they come out. And we were talking before we recorded about getting getting back into it getting doing some more exclusive stuff for all of you maybe if we set a goal like in the next two weeks hopefully in the next two weeks can have some exclusive stuff for all you members of the blast points army and yeah if you already are a member of the blast points army and you're hearing this right now thank you so much for your support we really do appreciate it but yeah that wraps up 377 night sister fever it's a serious condition, but it's one you can live with. I'm cool with it, really. I kind of hope it never goes away. Yeah, I went to the doctor and they were like, "Well, do you want medication for it?" And I was like, "Honestly, no. I'm going to I'm going to make it part of me." Yeah, is there any way I can get it worse? Like, can you give me more of it, doctor? <laughs> I literally want to be exposed to more night sister fever cuz that's the thing I've got night sister fever. I want more stories. But that's the thing. Hey, if you haven't watched Clone Wars in a while on Disney Plus, go watch some Clone Wars. Watch all the Night Sisters episodes because guess what? Clone Wars is awesome and it looks incredible on Disney Plus. I hadn't watched Clone Wars in a while and I went back and watched, like we both did, a lot of the Night Sister episodes. They look so good. It's a good looking show. So, on that note, everyone, thank you all so much for listening. And we will be back next week with another new episode. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you.
Force be with you. Ah!